there, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Rooted Business Podcast. I'm Jess, operational expert and sustainable business growth strategist. And I'm Rachel, your intentional marketing guru. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the magic of becoming a magnetic business that attracts all the right vibes into your space and into your energy. Being magnetic in today's market, I would say, is probably extremely crucial for online business owners as your niche either becomes more saturated and you're trying to find balance and avoid burnout. It's absolutely crucial. Yeah, I agree. And being magnetic doesn't just mean attracting any clients or all clients. It's attracting those clients that you truly vibe with, who your values are aligned with, you are really excited about what they're offer, what they offer and what they have to sell. And I think that's so important. And I think the first step is figuring out who that person is in the first place. And back in the day when we were both baby business owners, Rachel had a marketing course that I saw. And she had this really great process for identifying who your ideal client is and how to help them and identify their pain points. So I'm just going to let her take it away with that first step in becoming magnetic. Yeah. Knowing your target audience and your ideal client is absolutely key. Some of the things that I, or one of the ways that I explain it to people is this bullseye approach, like the super, super specific, some of the like online coaches, gurus will talk about like knowing their coffee order and all of that stuff. And I don't know if that's so necessary, but I think that hyper super specific person is your bullseye. And then your niche and everybody that falls outside of that kind of target is also important. But all of your messaging should really call in that like really bullseye person. And then the magnet and the kind of outside net will follow. But it really is such an important piece of the puzzle because if you're not calling in the right person, all of the hard work that you've done with your offers and your messaging and your like social presence and all of that will literally be for nothing. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying about the halo. When I used to work in retail, we would talk about our ideal customer. And I feel like a lot of my potential or my clients, they resist wanting to niche down. Yeah, They're going to exclude a lot of people, but I'm like, you're still going to attract these people in the halo. It's just if you can talk to this specific pain point, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Coming from someone who resisted missing for so long, once you are able to really figure out, and I think it's an ongoing process, figure out who you want to serve, how you want to help them, it really does make your life so much easier because you're able to become an expert for those type of people and you're able to build all your business processes around serving that type of person. So I resisted it for a while, even when I took their stories, but I am embracing it. I mean, it is such an ongoing process where I think personally, I also resisted. I was like, no, everybody needs an email list. Like, why would I exclude certain people. But now as I've evolved in my business, I've learned who I want to message. And you're you're so spot on that like your business processes, your marketing strategy and everything just becomes a lot easier when you have so much clarity on who you're talking to. And it's not this borg of people. I think one of the things that I've said in the past that when you niche down and when you get really specific about who you're talking to, 
your marketing feels more like a whisper in someone's ear rather than you standing on the top of a roof, like screaming and shouting and hoping that the right person hears you. It's that energy that you really want to shift into. And, you know, as your business grows and if you're a baby business owner listening to this or you're a more established business owner, either which way, like your message for your ideal client will evolve. And honestly, your ideal client itself will transform and you'll get deeper into understanding what their pain points are, how you can help them, how you can't help them. And that could be a true disqualifier is like not getting on sales calls with people that you know you can't help. But one of the ways that I got crystal clear on who my ideal client was like honestly working with people that were truly the wrong people that I was like, yikes, even though you do need an email list, I am not the person to help you with this. And I think it's been super eye-opening in that way. And yeah, have you had that experience? Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Figuring out like, for me, it's more of just like a vibe too. that discovery call. Like I've already pretty much pre-qualified my leads through my discovery call application. So me getting on a call with them is really just to figure out if literally are we the right fit? Do we vibe together? And I can tell from the questions they're asking, just the energy that they bring to the call, if we're going to have a pleasant and enjoyable working experience for both of us. And thankfully, I'm at a place where if that person, if I'm not feeling the vibe, um, <laughs> I can refer them off to someone else that may be a better fit for them as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things like even as you get deeper into creating content and writing your sales page and your messaging, all having that understanding of who you would want to work with, who you don't want to work with is absolutely key. Yeah. And one of my business coaches thought, I don't know how to really tie it in, but the thought keeps coming up because one of my business coaches said this, and this is what finally got me to niche. They were like, you don't have to niche to make money, but if you want to make money faster and easier, then niching down is the way to go because then you're able to establish those processes and be that whisper in the ear that you attract those right people. And we're going to talk about mindset later, but I think releasing scarcity mindset that if like you niche down, you're not going to, there's not going to be enough people like just trusting that like when you find that niche, you're, they're going to have friends that are just like them in the same exact business. And then you're still bankrupt. You're not letting everything and then as your audience expands, I feel like you almost could expand your niche a little bit as your business grows and evolves and as you begin to offer like more scalable offers. But especially when you're just starting out, I think it's really important to really hone in on that target client. Yeah. So this is such a sidebar and might derail us because ADHD brain over here. What is Who is your current niche? I'm so curious. Oh my gosh. So mine is dietitian. Integrative dietitians, which I feel like that is like super, super focused. That's who I am serving right now. Integrative because one, I'm a yogi and I believe in integrative health and I love merging East and West in my health and also my business. And then dietitians just because I love my business name was the Wellness Collaborative and that was even before I even used I knew I wanted to use my operational skills to help spread wellness in the world. And it came back full circle for me. Like I resisted niching. So I worked with a dog groomer, a hairstylist, this and this. And then just this last year, it came back full circle. And just now recently, I've released anyone that is not a wellness professional and then almost even niching down even more to dietitian. That is so crazy. So I 
just went on a, my business coach had us do this big pitch challenge and all of that. And when you're making your like pitch list, it's very interesting to go through. And I think now like baby business, Rachel would not have been able to disqualify. Like it, she would have just been hungry to get her eyes in front of people. But I would say my niche now is still, is very much in that like health and wellness space also. I started working out with some dietitians and adored and loved them. And then I worked with a few coaches who supported coaches. And I was like, that's just not my, it just didn't, I don't know why it didn't align. But now I've worked with a few fertility specialists and some like IVF coaches and the women supporting non-coaching women has totally been my niche in that health and wellness space that has been like so fulfilling. And I think that's also another thing that we should talk about is like, you have to be fulfilled by the people that you're also supporting, right? Because if you're like, I think back to that story you told last episode about the lawyer who just needed you to help set up his Zoom. You're not going to wake up and be like, oh, I can't wait to set up this Zoom. But now with the people we work with, we're like, oh, man, I like this is like helping. It's like a, a ripple effect of purpose. And I think that's like maybe super woo, but I'm yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah, well, I totally feel that, too. And what for me, what finally gave me the push was being able to really serve my clients well. And when I finally realized that the processes for a hairstylist or a dog groomer to fill their online programs is a lot different from a dietitian or an integrative health professional to fill their online programs. So me having to kind of balance being able to sell, you can't sell to people who are needing help with their health. Like you're going to sell to people who are needing help with their business. It's just not going to work. So yeah, being able to like hone in and figure out like trends and what's working and what's not working being able to serve my clients better. That's what really gave me the final push because I am like multi-passionate. I'd never want to lock myself into anything, but that being able to serve my clients well is what gave me the final push. Yeah, I love that. Oh gosh. Okay, let's get back on track. All right. Once we figure out who our ideal person is, the next step is creating your brand and your content that speaks to that person. This again is Rachel's area of expertise. So I'm going to let her lead off the conversation with how do we create content to attract our, magnetize our people to us? Yeah, I think that is one of those things that, again, when you enter into the business space and you think, oh, I have this offer, I have this, blah, blah, blah. And you're like throwing at them like, oh, you get five calls, you get this workbook and you get that. Like people don't buy the features and the benefits. They buy the emotional connection to it, which is why it's so important that one, you work with people who align with your values because like that le like a extra level of like depth. So it's one of those things that if you connect with your ideal clients or if you connect with your actual clients, message, then you're going to be able to serve them better in a way that's, oh, they can build out this message or they can build out this journey or they can support their clients this much deeper because you also have that emotional connection to them. Not necessary or required, but I do think it actually helps when you can bring your own, oh, I am also their ideal client. And if I'm serving them this way, they should be able to connect deeper that way. Back on track because 
that's super woo and emotional, right? If it's like, feels almost like a privilege, like to be able to connect to your ideal client in that way. When you're just starting out, you may have to take on clients that are probably not in alignment that way. It's still good to know that emotional level also sells. And you said it almost perfectly. Like if you're selling a hairstylist course compared to a dietitian course, you're going to have to give them different transformational messages. You're going to have to speak to them in a way that's like, Maybe that dietitian message is more emotional, emotionally connected because they're struggling with all of these thoughts. They're not feeling good in their body. And you're almost like having to connect with them in a way that supports them through that compared to a hairstylist where you're like allowing them. I don't know. Was it hairstylist teaching hairstylist? Yeah. So you're allowing them to up level their careers, to feel more confident, to create more transformations on them. It's ultimately two businesses selling something, but it's two different approaches because it's such a different emotional connection into it. I don't know if that actually gives any insight, but that's totally like the foundational understanding is like, you're never going to market a business the same, like two different businesses the same. There's always going to be that like deeper connection and rooted message through those emotions. Yeah, one thing I really try to keep in mind is to be really intentional with the language that I'm using, especially I write a lot of blog posts, a lot of email newsletters. I'm redoing my website copy right now. So really being detailed in the words that I'm picking are going to be those same words that my client would use or that I'm trying to attract intentional business owners. So I use the word intentional a lot. And then also putting a spin on like that specific niche. So anyone could write a blog post about launching, but it's my blog article is going to be about launching your dietitian program, what I've learned, or like what metrics you should track. Could be a generic one, but then going like deeper, even further down and like getting topic specific of what number of dietitian should. So the person, that's what that person's really going to be searching for. And that's how you're going to stand out. And that's how you're going to be the robots as well, because right now everyone can just go to chat GBT and start all the generic stuff that they want. And even Google has a new search coming out that I read an article about this morning, where basically like your new Google search will summarize all of like the top three Google things that come up. So it's not, you're going to have to get really specific in your content marketing to go above what a robot can do. And I think that's where brands and really being clear, like, I think that's one thing I've learned from, I live with ChatGPT. I have named him October. He lives on my desktop. He is my, but that's what become what's really clear to me. It's like every one of my prompts for me to get the right output has to start with my ideal customer is this, their goal is this, and then my goal is this. And that's how you get those really clear and really good generations from it. Yeah. And you might be thinking like the listener is thinking, But like, how does this actually work like into your marketing? And this is one of the reasons why email marketing is so powerful. And I always compare social media to the uncurated experience as far as moving someone through their journey of awareness. Think of email marketing as a curated experience. So you're pulling them in through a lead magnet, whatever that is, a very intentional piece of content that's going to grab their email, grab their attention, and then push them down this curated experience that says, I'm going to speak to you at your current awareness level. 
And then I'm going to take you to solve one problem. And then I'm going to speak to you at that new awareness level and take you to solve that next problem. And this is all through knowing who you're speaking to. This is saying, I know this lead magnet is going to hook your attention. And then I also know at the end of it that I'm going to like position one of my offers, services, next steps. And it's having that confidence of saying, this intentional action is going to drive this intentional result. And it's all foundational in knowing what your ideal client wants, what they need, how you speak to them, what's going to move those, like what you had said, like what terminology, what language, what words push them through to that next step. Content, it's all rooted in what your ideal client likes, what your ideal client knows, all of that stuff. Really pushing and emphasizing, deeply connecting to your ideal clients. You can do all of this stuff with a little bit more ease and confidence. That's all so important. All right. So then once we have attracted, we've identified, now we're attracting our clients and now we have to work with our clients. But ideally, that's the client journey. Really, I think one of the foundational steps is establishing your own transformational process of how you work with clients and how you get results with clients. And this comes with, like everything, experimentation and going through the process a couple of times. But there was a major shift for me getting on discovery calls before I had my process laid out and then after I had my process laid out. I can remember back to a time I was a baby business owner, I was probably about four months in, and I got on a discovery call with a kind of a big time, someone that I really looked up to in the, the market and She's looking for an online business manager. And I was a bit starstruck. I'm going to say it probably was like my worst discovery call ever. Which it did not, not hiring me. But in the spirit of growth, I emailed her back. And I was like, hey, I really loved the idea of working with you. She was a business coach. So I wasn't asking for free advice. But I'm just going to be like, hey, any insight of, that you could provide of like why you chose not to work with me. And she's like, you didn't ask a lot of questions. You didn't ask me like what software was I using or what I tried in the past. So you didn't explain like what your process was. And I was like, oh, okay. And now I think to my discovery calls now, and they're so different. Each one of my offers, I have a visual that I've laid out and that kind of just helps me stay like confident on point. This is what it's going to look like with us working together. So basically now I get on my discovery calls. They're so easy. Okay, tell me your problem. And then they go through their problem. Okay, let me tell you how I can help. And I'm going to walk you through the exact process that I'm going to take you through. Whether it's my six-month offer or my ongoing offer or my one-day offer, I have the exact steps that you're going to go through. And that helps build trust with the client. And then that also helps you to avoid burnout because you have a clear process that you're going to follow, that you mapped out how many hours it's going to take you to deliver it. So you're not like having this like stress in the back of your mind of, am I like really going to be able to deliver it? Is this going to stress me out? Do I have the work life? All of that is you've already figured out. So you can go into that call with so much more confidence because you have a process to back it up. Yeah. And honestly, that clear process, like I've lived in my business post like think of it as like reactive and proactive so yeah. having that onboarding experience even if like it onboarding starts the moment they book that call so it's really having everything in alignment so that you can one provide a really good experience for them so that they're getting that call recap post discovery call 
if you use Dubsado or HoneyBook, whatever that looks like, and saying, here's the proposal, here's what the next steps would look like, here's what our next 90 days would look like. One, it builds trust and confidence for your like soon-to-be client to be like, okay, this person's like a legit business owner. They have thought this stuff through. But then also like you can like not have to sit there and say, oh, how do I, what am I doing next? Or what's my checklist of making sure this client signs? It allows you to build confidence knowing that this client is about to get their grand tour, like red carpet rolled out for them so that they can sign your contract, pay your invoice without a doubt in their mind. But then also like you really do, like when I didn't have my onboarding process set up, oh my gosh, I was like, please don't make me log into Dubsado. (laughs) I'm terrified. I don't want to have to do that because every time I go into Dubsado, I'm like, Yikes, this person's invoice is past due or this contract wasn't countersigned. And when you have that stuff, you're able to like have confidence just in the back end of your business so that you're not like leading into inevitable burnout or exhaustion or avoidance, like 99% avoider over here. If I like am terrified of something, just knows this, anything tech related, I'm like, please don't make me do it. But now that I have systems and processes in place, I'm like, okay, great. I know that's taken care of. And I know my client's getting a good experience. And I'm also having a good experience that won't result in burnout. Yeah. And I think when this is going to, when you have good processes too, I know we're going to talk about boundaries maybe later, maybe now, but it allows you to have good boundaries too, because you have your process laid out. You can explain to your clients like, no, this is why I need this two weeks in advance because this needs to, from this needs to happen. Or this is why I only do one call a week with my clients because of this. Or this is why I do two. I recently had a dietitian who one of her clients were asking them to meet like every week for 20 minutes. And because she wanted to serve the client, she wanted to like bend. It was some sort of insurance thing. The insurance wasn't giving the payout they needed. So the client wanted to move it. But like her changing that one process, like one process or like that one thing in her business would call this like, domino effect and really throughout working with clients she had already determined like the best way to give her clients results is by seeing them every other week and because that gives enough time for implementation it needs to be an hour-long call because 20 minutes is not enough so having those processes she was able to go back to that client and be like oh this is why i do it the client understood no nuts and was confident and like that person was making the right decision for them so that leads to a great client relationship as well, which is our next thing that we're talking to about, unless you have something to add, Rachel. I do want to add that it also, I think in baby business owner land, you think I need to be as available as possible to keep this client. And that might be a fear that comes up that you're like, oh, I need to be able to be as flexible or whatever that looks like. But there's a level of authority that type of confidence exudes when you're like, no, I do this because of this. And making sure that you're standing and living in that authority of I have built this business, I have built these processes because of this. It's the same reason why, you know, sometimes you might have call days on certain days or like A and B weeks. It's to help you function better as a business owner And when your clients or when you function better, your clients get a better experience so that you're not like just being thrown around and all of that. So I just wanted to add that because I think that's so important that some business owners, when they first start out, might fear like, no, I have to be available. And it's, no, you don't. You have to run your business in a way that makes it feel good for you. Yeah. And the one thing too, when you're first starting out is like, 
you may have the time to be more available than what your contract actually says. But if you go down that route, in the end, you're going to run out of time and then you're going to be burning yourself out and not not serving your clients better because you're burnt out. So once you get fully booked out, so establishing those routines and boundaries now um, are important because you're not going to have to walk it back later with your clients, but just walking back anything, changing anything once you've already started working with your clients is so hard. That's why it's, or I guess so much for me, like mentally, like I just talked to you about having to go up on my prices for my client, like that change is so hard versus the clients that I just went in and I was like, oh, we're just now starting working together and this is my price versus trying to like change, like this is what I'm doing or like removing a service. You're going to do that as you grow and evolve. But if you can get ahead of it and like you said, be proactive and really think about the process and how many hours it's going to take you so that you can go in with the right prices, make sure you're profitable. That's the way to go for sure. Yeah, and I think it just also creates a balanced working relationship. Like you are not an employee in your client's business. You are a partner in it. You are a supporting asset. And so making sure that you're not creating this kind of employee mentality by just saying, oh, whatever you need, like you are also an equal in that sense too. So really making sure that your relationships are built off of balance and not like my coach, my business coach calls it pick me energy. She's like, don't be pick me energy, be boss energy because you're here supporting and enhancing their business. You're not relying on them. So I don't know if that makes any sense. It definitely makes sense because I'm in the process of walking back that availability. And I was thinking, but now that you've said it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's an email marketing person. Maybe it's like an all online business people. But I'm like, oh, the story I was telling myself was, because I was an online business manager, like I had to deal with like things coming out of less field or like this imbalance or whatever. But maybe it's because like I need to be a little more clear with my boundaries and what my turnaround time is and how we like plan and execute processes and that sort of thing so that I'm able to find more balance. Yeah. Yeah. Building that strong relationship with your customers is truly the backbone of magnetic business. And I think it's really important that you take care of yourself and take care of your clients. But like most importantly, having those boundaries that protect your energy, because as you get into business and as you're like year one, year two, burnout is inevitable. Like I know that people like to paint this picture of owning a business as like freedom and drinking margaritas on the beach and doing all of this. But ultimately, like you are like fire hosed of self-awareness, like drinking from a fire hose of self-awareness is like the only way I can describe what I felt when I started running a business. And I was like, oh, yeah, my boundaries are crap. <laughs> this is a blind spot that I have avoided up until this point in my life. And then once I started like being more aware of that, when I tell you the boundaries in my personal relationship got better, when I was like, yeah, no, I'm also not going to deal with that type of energy outside of business either. Like it's just mind blowing how the transformation of growth and like your mindset and all of that just are impacted by when holding boundaries in business and honoring them. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Now, I saw some meme where it's, I don't know, people say it all the time, like being an entrepreneur, you're on this like self-growth, like you have to do it or your business is not going to grow. And I thought 
that leaving, it's funny now because three years out of corporate, some of the same issues that I was like having there followed me here. It's like, oh no, you still have to deal with this because this wasn't like a corporate problem. This was like a you problem. So now like you have to hold your boundaries. You're still going to be a workaholic if you let yourself be. Like you're, you need to like step into your power as far as like money and asking for your values to work. Like all of those same things, like I dealt with in my corporate career and they didn't mm-hmm. go away me starting my own business. It's like, basically it made it even worse because like, no one's going to save you unless you save yourself. So let's look this up and move and look it in the eye and move through it. Yeah. I literally cannot say that better. It is not a corporate problem. It's a you problem that defines or that explains 99.9% of the things where I'm like, no, I, I thought because I got out of corporate, I got away from this. No, it's the imposter syndrome, the speaking up. And, and that's a whole nother episode. But getting into all of that stuff, like it doesn't disappear, but also it gives you an opportunity to do it without kind of all of the hierarchy of corporate. But we should do an episode about the corporate transition and like the differences, because I think it's so fascinating. A lot of people probably come from that space and we'll see a lot of these things bubble up in their own businesses as well. But yeah. And if you take one thing away from this episode, make sure that it's like your boundaries are the most important thing and they help you like make your clients and your customers feel safe. And they also keep you away from burnout, which I've been there just, I don't know about you, but I have been there and it is so hard to dig yourself out of that hole. Yeah. I think I've been like teetering on the edge of burnout much this whole year, which is why I'm currently restructuring, burning it all down, as I like to say. We've touched on this a little bit, but the fourth way that you become a magnetic business is really nurturing your client relationships. When you care about your clients, they will care about you. And that is how, you know, you're going to be able to go, I have this wonderful, beautiful conversation with this client who I was charging like half of what I was charging everything else. And I really respect her as a business owner. She's a smart, savvy business owner. And last week, like, I was just like, hey, I need to open up this conversation because I love working for you. I know you like having me on your team. But right now, I'm working at about half of the rate of what I'm working with everybody else. And in order to sustain this relationship, like, we got to figure something out. Like, I still want to stay with you. And we just have this beautiful relationship where, like, she's been a freelance or worked for herself for a lot longer than me. So she was able to offer advice. She is my ideal client and has referred me to a lot of her peers. So she was able to give me some invite about what they're looking for and like even what they can afford and the exact help they need. And I think that that would not, that conversation would have came about if I truly wasn't there like expressing like care and empathy for her throughout, throughout our time working together. One main thing too with me is, and sometimes I struggle with this, is maintaining an attitude of gratitude for my clients because sometimes working with clients is challenging, right? But ultimately the reason why they hired us, like, one of the great reasons is like they're overwhelmed in their business and they can't do it alone and they need some help. So instead of getting frustrated when they like don't turn something in on time, even though you've established the boundary, it's like having empathy towards them and realizing like they're running a whole ass business and not just giving you the things that you need. So having empathy and while navigating your boundaries is like this kind of like balance that you have to be able to give. I do that by building very spacious timelines when I'm working with clients and like yeah. knowing that they're probably not going to get 
certain things to me on time and allowing myself to be a little more flexible and like working that into my rates and everything as well so that I can show up as like an empathetic person while also maintaining the balance that I need in my business. Yeah, I I don't know. I hope this resonates because I saw this really powerful thing. It was more about a couple's relationship, but it was talking about like how like intimacy in a couple's relationship isn't about like the physical stuff. It's about having those difficult conversations and growing from it and planting those like roots and growing them further into it. And I think that goes also for client relationships too. If you're terrified to have conversation with one of your clients, it's almost like you have to have it right? Because if you don't, then that creates this like disconnect and this fear and worry. And I think one of the most powerful things is that those conversations, if they're the right client, always end well. Like you may be terrified to have it, but it was probably a much needed conversation and there was probably no need to be worried about it. But yeah, I think that it's probably one of those things that it's really impactful just to have that relationship that's trusted and one with that boundary placed there properly. It allows you to just grow and build and nurture those relationships like even deeper. Yeah. I think another big one too is like releasing scarcity mindset. So mm-hmm. one being scared of if I let, if I have this conversation with my client, they're going to fire me. They could. That could absolutely not happen. I've had recent conversations because, like I said, I've been reworking everything with all my clients right now. And there were clients who right now can, couldn't afford where I was going out to. But I developed some like smaller offers where they could still have access to me in their business in a smaller capacity, but at a rate that they could afford. Because my ultimate goal is for you to be a profitable business. So if I'm like eating away at your profit because I have this high retainer that you're not at a revenue that you can afford, then that's not beneficial for me. So I'm like, okay, let's work together to figure out how we can still work together. I can support you and still get your results, but in a way that's going to be mutually beneficial to us. I had this conversation. We developed this whole new offer. Now that I'm going to offer not just her, but to everyone who's in a similar revenue tier to her. And after that conversation, she referred me to two other people that could afford me at a higher revenue tier. So, but if I went into that with, no, you need to pay me this because if I can't let you go and I need to hold on to this so tight, she probably would have held on for another three months of contract and then realized I really can't sustain this cost or investment. But now, not only did I get her, I probably got two or three other potential clients coming in because I was able to release the grip and just allow what could be, would be. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, I think one of the deeper conversations we've had, not on the podcast yet, but one of the things about it is like the ethical running of businesses. And like this is going to be its own other pod or episode. But I think that is one of those like truly living in that energy where it's saying ethically, I can't continue to charge you this because it doesn't align with my values. And what did it like out of it? It literally resulted in additional revenue. Like the universe was like, yes, live in alignment, do this. I think there's a lot of people out there that would not have done that. But I think it really does connect with running your business ethically, running it sustainably. You can't exist in a space where you feel the ick about how you run your business with your clients. But when you feel good and when you're aligned with it, 
like abundance. But that's all I gotta say. If I know this client can't afford me, then I'm gonna be stressing every month. Are they gonna be able to pay their invoice? And I'd rather just release that. Um, yeah, it's not the vibe, not the vibe we want. That and then trust the universe. Actually, I had brought out like the book. This is, I don't know if you've read this one, but the Deepak Chopra's All is the Success. And it's basically like everything we've talked about today of like how to become a man in your business. Don't not return your library book from two years ago because that's probably bad karma. <laughs> but I really love this book. Why that? But in it, one of the laws is the law of giving and receiving and trusting if you're going to give, then it's just going to come back to you. Yeah. And that's what I keep in mind whenever I have to go into one of these tougher situations where I know that I'm going to make my potentially lose a client instead of looking at it as I might potentially lose this client. It's like I'm making space for something bigger and better to come in. My life. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. So those are our five strategies for becoming a magnetic business. And that's all I've got for you. Unless Rachel has some final thoughts. Oh my gosh. I know we, I went a little bit all over the place, but again, take something away from this. I hope it's finding and aligning, trying and experimenting, sticking to your boundaries. Business is messy, but if you keep an open mind about it and really push through to observe and honor your energies. I think that's going to be such a, it's going to be a beautiful transformation throughout the whole process. But yeah, here's to becoming magnetic. All right. Y'all next episode, we're rooting for you.